Are you suffering from poor decision-making skills, lack of self-confidence and self-esteem? Do you have impeded development of social, emotional, and sexual skills? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Rachel, and you might be suffering from religious trauma. I left evangelicalism and started a podcast. I talk about my experience with purity culture, why I left, and the journey afterwards. I'm happy you're here. Come along for the ride. Cheers to leaving. <laughs> How are you all doing? How's, how's your days been? Pretty yeah. good. Very productive. Yeah. Fine. Had a snow day. Yeah. Um, I have daffodils in my yard. <laughs> Is that a new development? And then it dropped to 30 degrees. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, blo- they bloomed and then now they're all on the ground. It's so sad. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, it was almost spring for a minute, and then winter was like, it's the and false another spring. thing. The false <laughs> spring. <laughs> yeah, I got a little break from that seasonal depression a couple of days, and, you know, now we're back, but that's okay. <laughs> we're back, baby. Back. Time to be yep. sad again. <laughs> yep. Well, um, it's nice to, like, kind of finally meet you. I know we've messaged a lot and almost... Yeah brunch but um yeah we'll have to make that happen eventually i've i've kind of slacked on initiating stuff like that but it is super important to me so we'll get yeah yeah especially because we're all in the same area so yeah Yeah. well um we kind of just wanted to get started with asking about um what what brought you to create Exvangelis? Am I saying that right? Yes, exactly. Um, like, what inspired you to do that? And can you tell us a little bit more about that project? And yeah, just for our listeners, for sure. I I have I've been like interviewing people of all kinds, kind of off and on for years, without really much of a focus. And so I was just kind of like I realized that I loved telling stories, and I loved like telling other people's stories and finding like the beauty and the complexity and um, the, yeah, and the ugly and just the everything that, that the real life stories that can sometimes be like stranger than fiction, if you will. Like I've always been kind of passionate about that. And then when I, when I started, I was still a Christian, but I was kind of like slipping away from that world and just kind of trying to deal with all my own questions. And it just kind of took shape over time that like um, not enough people are telling the stories of the kids like me that grew up in the church and still have a lot of unprocessed um, trauma or not even just trauma, but like we just like weird, like kind of lack of closure around certain things. Um, And so it just became a, a passion of mine to create like a platform for those conversations specifically it's I mean it's probably similar to to the yeah I'm curious to hear like what prompted y'all to start this because it's probably not too uh dissimilar but I I love um I feel a connection to the people that like were raised in religion and now either are um agnostic or 
maybe their beliefs have just evolved over time. And um, I want to create like communities of people that can bond over those experiences or just like have people um, like create content that people can watch and feel like they're not alone. Like they're not the only people who are like still kind of are, am I cursing on this podcast or no? Yeah. Yes. Some people that are still like kind of fucked up about it. Like, like just trying to process it and figure it out. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like it's interesting because when I first started my deconstruction journey, I felt very alone, Yeah. but, um, it's crazy how much we have like similar stories. There's so many people out there. I feel like it's kind of a big movement right now, but I don't think we, we didn't start on this journey intentionally because it was like the thing to do. It was like, we all just got to a certain age and started realizing this shit didn't make sense. Um, and so I love that because it creates solidarity between, you know, all of us where we are like, okay, we're in this together. We're, we're not crazy. We're not going to hell. Um, <laughs> things like that. And yeah. um, it's always kind of nice too, a little bit to hear someone's story that might be a little bit more fucked up than yours or a little bit less fucked up. And then yeah. you're like, okay, all right, <laughs> this, this could be worse, but it could be yeah. better. Um, And so, yeah, I I felt like originally when I started this podcast was to sort of talk through my deconstruction journey as well as have a platform to like get angry about it and talk about it. Um, Yeah. It was sort of my own way of just like processing it, if that makes sense. And now it's just evolving and becoming whatever it is, but um, that's kind of, that's kind of why I sort of started it, but I think it's so important to hear people's stories. Agreed. Have you seen Jesus Camp by chance? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus we talked Camp. about that. You know people or, or new yeah. people. That's exactly right. And I still do. And so I, I kind of I forgot that that's a piece of the puzzle because I watched that film and I knew some of the kids in it. And I was like, I want us to tell our own stories. Like, I want I don't want it to be like some outsider coming in and gawking at it I want us to be like all right it's our turn so for me like that was part of Expangelis's inception was just like these stories are crazy but I want to tell them like authentically like with the people that were involved and not trying to like sell it to an audience and not trying to like dramatize it more than it was like I just I want that authenticity so I think that's another piece of the puzzle of like why I started what I'm doing yeah, for sure. It it definitely was like an angle of look at how crazy these people are kind of thing versus like, and you wonder when you're watching these kids, you're like, what, like, are these kids okay? You know, right. now because of all like the crazy shit that goes on. And so I totally understand wanting to <laughs> make it more authentic instead of being yeah. like, Jesus freaks are crazy. Right. Yeah. I think right. Jesus Camp was also just like only one example of how crazy Christianity can get. <laughs> and, yeah. mm-hmm. it, you know, it was a one very specific example because I had Jesus Camp like experiences, but it, there wasn't thousands of us kids in an auditorium. It was like maybe 45 kids, yeah. you know, in, in a, um, a very small chapel at, yeah. on a campground, you know, where we also had 
the best time of our lives and it was like okay. the highlight of the year right so it wasn't like a super weird emotion like it wasn't a crazy emotional thing the whole time like there were positives to it but yeah documentaries like Jesus Camp almost show an exaggerated version of, of what we went through and almost to like dramatize it and get more yeah get more viewership and get more like conversations going um about how insane they are and and like there's no focus on like okay no like how how do we heal from it like there's none of that yeah exactly definitely do you want to um go into a little bit like just like who you know and and how they're doing now just like as a little sidebar because I know we talked about that I think it'd be interesting yeah I'm, I could briefly touch on it I mean my goal is to like interview these people myself eventually and kind of go deep into it but um yeah so there are um I think there's basically four kids that the film centers on and um then uh, as a side note I, I mentioned to you like I am good friends with the girl that's on the cover um who is an incredible woman just like well-adjusted nurse mom like badass like totally killing it like so and in fact i well not everybody from that film i would say is is doing incredibly well but i know uh, i went to christian school with the girl tori from that film who's like the dancer who at one point she's like i love christian metal like i, I remember like, <laughs> Oh, and she's also the, like, maybe you've seen the meme, like, she's the meme girl who's, like, crying. Uh, there's a, Yes. Yeah. So that's, her name's Tori, and she's, I, I think she's in Germany right now, but um, I went to school with her. I think she's still a Christian, as far as I know. Um, and then Levi, the kid with the rat tail, he goes to World Revival, um, and he's, like, super on fire for God still, like, just the way he was in the film, apparently. Um, and then Matthew, the kid with the bowl cut, the blonde kid, um, he like, as I, cause I tried to like find everybody. Like I tried to track everyone down. He disappeared off the grid in Northern California. Um, and I got a hold of his dad, but his dad hasn't heard from him either from what I can tell. So there's a miss, like, I have no idea. So really like, I do kind of want to follow up with all the major people from the film, um, but so there are challenges involved in just like even tracking down some of, of the people, but. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now you knew all these people from like different places because you kind of all grew up in the same area, but um, did you, were you ever yourself involved in that, I guess, organization that was hosting the camps? I never went to the camps. I went to the church, uh, Christ Triumphant Church, for just a couple weeks um, to check it out. And it was like hella weird. So we left. Like, even my family was like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, so I never, I never was like at Jesus Camp or, or any of that. Um, I just can like freeze frame it and be like, I know him, I know her. Yeah. So. Wow. Gotcha. It was a very, very, very large church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was. Um, okay, so back to Exvangelis. Um, mm -hmm. What is your ultimate goal with that? Like, are you, are you just kind of planning on documenting these people's stories and that's what you want to do? Or do you want to turn it into like something else? Like, I don't know, some sort of 
I don't want to say film or anything like that, but do you have a project that you want to do with these people's stories or? I mean, great question. Yes, definitely. I want to um, continue to interview people like one-on-one and have like a web series that I put out like hopefully weekly episodes. Like right now I've been kind of doing every other week. It's just been kind of a lot, but when I have more traction and someone to help me edit videos and stuff, like I want to do weekly episodes and then um, every once in a while, I do want to film like a longer form episode, like follow up with the Jesus camp kids. Or, um, I have another one that's basically like, um, some of my good friends that were like a traveling family gospel band that broke up and just kind of like revisit like that era with multiple people and kind of tell that story. Um, and my like goal for hopefully 2023, if not 2024 is to have um, a setup that I can take on the road and just go around the country and um, interview people in my like RV or or whatever, um, and just continue to like spread out and and find more interesting stories to tell. So those are kind of the short term goals with it. I love that. And you know yeah. what's so funny is my newest fixation has been um, camper life, and I've yeah. been like researching campers like crazy, and have been like, I'm gonna buy a camper and renovate it, and then go live and just travel yeah. the world. You know. <laughs> You should totally do it. I think you should do that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. At least part-time. I don't know if I could yeah. do it full-time, but at least part-time. That would be super sick. Yeah. It'd be super, you could super do sick. it like over the summer or something and yeah. go to different I, cities and talk to different people. I hear That's it's me. quite a sustainable way of living too. And you know, yeah. you can, you know, you live, it's a tiny house, tiny house living. Tiny house on wheels. Yeah. yeah. You could set up like a Patreon and, and have people donate to sort of sustain that for you as oh. well. So you can go and do that. Yeah, yeah just get paid. <laughs> get paid. We're always thinking about money. We're always thinking about money here. <laughs> I mean, I, I will hopefully make this a full-time job eventually. Like that's the goal, you know, but we'll see. So, yeah. So my one of my questions about Exvangelis is, first of all, like how did your personal experience bring you to where you are now with this project so I guess like what was the moment where you were like I want to interview people and have them tell their stories and I'm going to put it on Instagram and I'm going to create these projects with it what was that moment um like what was it in your life that brought you to that moment Mm -hmm. um I think it's kind of a culmination of all the like miscellaneous creative skills that I have um, cause I'm like, I, I'm not the world's best videographer. I'm not the world's best this or that, but I can do like short form internet content and I can like, in like, I can ask good questions and I can, I can connect with people. I feel like that's a skill that I have. So it, it kind of was a mixture of, um, like the resources I had available and the passions that I have and just realizing that like, oh, I really want to tell these like religious stories and I want to be um and like I discovered I, I like thought about like maybe there is like an evangelical like space online and then I found that there was and I was like okay like everything just kind of lined up in a way that made sense to where I was like I want to be part of this community and I want to tell the stories that I want to tell and it all just kind of meshed so um yeah does that answer your question yeah, no, it does. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
do you feel like the people who are coming on your show are, I guess, is, do you feel like this is therapeutic for them in a way? I certainly hope so. Um, I know that most of the people that I talk to at some point are just like, damn, I would never have an opportunity to even like think about this, let alone get it out there. So, um, right. yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's positive. Um, and I feel like uh, a lot of folks are really scared to share their story. Um, at least I find that when I've asked people if they want to be on the podcast and share, you know, be a part of the conversation, I'm hit with a lot of, Ooh, I don't know if I could do that yet, you know, yeah. um, because they're still so tied to it in, in different ways, whether it's through their family or if, you know, they're kind of, you know, like almost secretly, secretly not a part of Christianity anymore, but nobody really knows that, you know, there's a lot of those, yeah. you know, they're almost still in the closet, you know, they haven't come out yet <laughs> as far as yeah. leaving the church. And, um, you know, I, I just find that some people are, are still, this is where it's like, okay, this is really harmful if sharing your story is that terrifying. Yeah. If people are that, you know, worried about their story being public. Yeah. Yeah. It Wor speaks to the trauma. Worried. And then like also probably not sure if anyone like even wants to hear it, you know, like, like who cares? Like whatever. I just need to move on and like become a normal part of society. But I'm like, your, your past experiences are so, um, they're just so formative of like who you are as an adult. And I'm like, why would we just pretend it didn't happen? Like, let's, you know I mean? That's like the whole exvangelical thing is like, it doesn't have to be your whole identity, but it's something that we have in common that we can like chat about and bond over. So I, I say, why not? And I think I'm like really lucky in that I have no, I'm not afraid of literally like what anybody thinks about like my religious, like my parents are both still kind of Christian, but, I don't have any problem with them knowing like what I believe and none of my family is like terribly like I'm not you know I'm just like really really lucky to not have any like antagonists in my family that I'm afraid of so um yeah just like lucky there and also just like authenticity is the most important thing in the world to me so I figure like you know if that's something a gift that I've been given I might as well like help other people find that authentic voice for themselves so yeah, yeah I love that yeah um would you mind kind of giving us a little bit of a background on your upbringing like I know you said your parents aren't 100% still in the church but yeah were you evangelical growing up definitely yes okay yeah I um so I moved to Kansas City when I was 11. Um, and previous to that, I lived in Southern California and attended kind of like a missions focused, like an evangelical church with um, like a flag from every country around the sanctuary. Like that was kind of the vibe of the church that I was in as a child child. Um, and it was great. Like I loved that church. Like I didn't have any like horror moments I felt um yeah I felt totally safe there in fact I don't even have like really bad church experience like people probably think that the reason I'm doing this project is because I'm so angry or something but really like my church experience was mostly positive it, it's just kind of some of the teachings about sin and the shame that I felt about 
whatever that kind of caused me to like start hating the church as an organization. But the churches I went to were like actually pretty, pretty decent. Um, when I moved to Kansas City, when I was 11, I went to Metro Christian Fellowship primarily, which is the church that birthed the International House of Prayer. Um, and I also was kind of in and around IHOP quite a bit. Um, Can so you tell us about IHOP? Tell you about IHOP. Yeah. IHOP is like most definitely a cult. I'll just say that. Oh, like, absolutely. That's why I want to know about IHOP. Tell me more. Yeah. 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 And that was, I remember hearing that like when I was growing up, people being like, oh, they say IHOP's a cult. And I was like, no, 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 no. But I mean, pretty much all of the boxes are checked when it comes to like what a cult is and like how the leadership buries things and how the leadership like um, teaches young people to like, like, like abandon any reasonable, um, like lifestyle choices and give everything to their missional cause and like have no skills besides preaching and don't go like, to college because Jesus is coming college. back soon. Exactly. Find other people to like pay your way and, and then like work for nothing, like long hours to like make IHOP function. It's. Didn't yeah. it, uh, is it Mike Bickle? Is that yeah. Mike? Uh, Mike didn't he, yeah, go ahead. Didn't he like write his own sort of scripture? I don't, I don't know if he called it scripture, but he wrote something that like he supposedly heard from God and like wanted people to sort of accept it in some way as like part of yeah. God's teaching or something weird cult. like that. If yeah. they say that, no, that's a cult. If, if it's yeah. that kind of stuff that's happening, you know, it's a cult. Yeah. And I, I would argue that Getchy. evangelical Christianity is a cult in general, but IOP is definitely like a capital C cult. And uh, Mike Pickle's not the only cult leader involved, but I would definitely put him in that category. I don't know anything about any scriptures, but I know that he's taken some pretty crazy liberties with what he's preached that is like, extra biblical in a, in a way so and they get tax exemptions yeah of course they do yeah yeah, yeah. i've i've read some stories online about people who have like left ihop and so it's i mean i'm sure it's all true and yes i'm sure from your own experience and and i dabbled a doubled in ihop um but i didn't not enough to really know what's going on or anything right. like that IHOP, yeah, IHOP was not my primary church experience. It was Metro, which, like, Mike Bickle started Metro and then, like, abandoned them to start the IHOP. So, yeah. But. Yeah. Well, continue with your story. You 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 went to IHOP yeah. and then... Yeah, so I went to IHOP. Like, you know, I'd be around the prayer room. I'd go to one thing. I'd go to some of the um, conferences, but oh, mostly the church. Metro, right, one thing. Uh, <laughs> This, uh, this church metro, which I like went to youth group there and um, really loved it. Like loved my youth leaders, lots of friends. I still have plenty of friends that I, like my, my wife, I met in fifth grade at Metro um, in Sunday school. So really like glad. That's adorable and wholesome. You know, <laughs> yeah. So cute. <laughs> yeah. And we still have some really close friends from that era. So that's, that's really nice. Um, and uh, Metro moved just down the street from us um, into a new building, which is interesting, but 
anyway, so I, I went there until I was 19 and then I moved to Northern California where Bethel is, um, and did like a religious internship out there. And, uh, my faith, um, utterly crumbled out in Northern California and I've been, um, a free person ever since. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I, I went out to, to Northern California um, to get away from my family situation, which felt like, just felt like dark to me. Um, I just, my mental health was deteriorating. And um, I, you know, honestly, I was kind of borderline suicidal at that point. And I just needed to like a change of scenery and to like find my own way. You know what I mean? So I, I took the advice of my youth pastor at the time at Metro and followed him out to Northern California um, and joined a religious program out there at his um, urging. And it just ended up like none of it, at that point, like none of it made sense to me. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't believe this. And I told my pastor that, and um, he kind of just, um, stopped like checking in on me. Like he just kind of like left me there to figure it out on my own. Um, and so that hurt. And, uh, he stranded you, he convinced you to go out there and then stranded you. Basically he convinced me to come out there. And then at some point I was like, look, these pat answers don't like work for me. I don't think I believe what you're saying. And then after that, like, he was never available to see me. He didn't invite me to like any events. And he just kind of was like, all right, I've like lost this sheep from my flock. And like, he just, yeah. So, so he gave up essentially. He gave like, up, he was he like, gave up on, yeah. He was like, I'm not going to get him back. I'm yes. done. Which is yeah. interesting because doesn't Jesus say that if a, you know, a sheep strays from the flock you go out and find them and bring yeah. them back right yeah. isn't that in the bible that's interesting it's true and it's interesting to think like if he like hadn't he rejected you yeah he abandoned me like that's that's real talk yeah and so um that's still kind of unresolved but anyway um yeah i just kind of one by one all the different ideas, all the constructions started to deconstruct. And um, I married my wife out there in Northern California and we kind of both deconstructed at the same time. And we've just been kind of drifting ever since. So not in, not in a negative way, just like excited about figuring out like what we do believe and exploring things. So. I think that's beautiful of figuring out what we don't you know, what we do believe and deconstructing together. I think that's super cool. And I'm really sorry about, you know, what happened. That's horrible. I know yeah. what it's like to feel abandoned by, you know, people who you consider to be your mentors and spiritual teachers. And that's something that I, I feel like we don't talk about enough as well is when someone that you have a lot of respect for and you hang on to their every word and the way they interpret the gospel is the way you interpret the gospel, you know, and, and this is like the truth we're living in when, when you're in this, when they show up as a human yeah, and they do human shit yeah, and you're devastated yeah, and it's like this ungodding that mm -hmm. happens where you like take out the God complex 
that you yeah. held them on. You take them off that pedestal and you see yeah. that, wow, you did a very human thing. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. It was hurtful. And I'm not the, I'm not the only kid that had that experience too. So it's, it's a thing of like, there's an element of power and control to some pastors like worlds and the reason that they do what they do. Um, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. So why'd you guys move back to uh, Kansas city? Um, is it because your family's here? Family's here and just started to really hate it out there. Yeah. We're just like, we're done with this. Like, <laughs> cause like you think of California and you think it's awesome, but like Northern California is not my favorite place. So, well, you and originally moved out there for like church stuff. So I assume yeah. like most of your community was that group of people. And if you're deconstructing, I imagine that would be lonely. It would be. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> deconstructing can be so so lonely yeah. <laughs> but it can also be really fun because you get to meet lots of other people deconstructing and you get yeah. to have really fucked up conversations <laughs> <laughs> that's what i love to do <laughs> so i wanted to ask if if you're willing to share this and if you don't yeah. want to that's totally fine and we can move forward but if you are willing to share i would love to know kind of where you're at in your spiritual journey and like yeah. kind of where your beliefs lie and like how you're um coping with the concepts of death and afterlife and Ooh. the hard the hard questions that christianity loves to think they have the answer to yeah sorry Damn. i'm going deep tonight i don't know i was no. weed i Please. smoked or something i want to know <laughs> i'm glad you're going there i um the best thing i mean the best thing for me about the project i'm doing is every interview i do i feel like I like evolve a little more because somebody says something that causes me to think. And so I am like, um, putty. Like I don't have, I don't feel like a strong, um, connection to really a whole lot of ideas. Like I wouldn't claim that I know anything. Like I just, I just know that I don't believe if there is a God, I don't think it's the God from the Bible. And I think that um if there is a cosmic being that it's a neutral force of some kind that flows through everything that's like you know that's what a lot of my friends are into so i'm just like keeping an open mind and like kind of exploring that idea with with just like you know a light attachment like i that could be bullshit too i honestly don't know I, but but to me it's like an interesting and somewhat um reassuring idea at least to think that um you know that i will just go back to being part of that source whatever when i die um and i don't hold it in any way of like this has to be true but to me that's the most reassuring and like um true feeling idea about life and death that i found and I'm so open to like my mind continuing to evolve. And I don't feel the pressure to be right because like my soul doesn't depend on it. Like whatever is going to happen is going to happen regardless of what I believe. So it, that takes the like pressure off of being right and just leaves you left to just leaves you open to exploring and um, just pursuing whatever path feels like yummy, you know, whatever, whatever feels like um 
beautiful and inspiring, just go that way. You know, and that's like such a revolutionary idea that I resisted for so long, but you know, I'm ready to just like go in whatever way just feels inspiring, you know? I love that answer. That is, and I I loved how you say you just have this light attachment to it because I feel like when you're in, you know, Christianity, it's like, you have to believe it 150% or you're going to hell. And there is so much anxiety and stress built up around not being able to question things and not being able to just like not care. Yeah. Being like, you know what? I don't care (laughs) if I don't know the answers and I'm just going to vibe with it, you know? And there's like, it's almost like you feel this mm, guilt and shame around like, I don't know if I believe all this. And and you can let go and you can open up to all these possibilities. It is yummy. It is like this. It's just, you're full of wonder. You're like, oh my God, the universe is amazing. And I don't understand it, but I get to try. (laughs) And I think that's really fun. And I think it kind of like makes being alive a lot more enjoyable than, um, you know, worrying that all your loved ones are going to burn in hell because they don't believe the same thing that you believe. That's right. That's right. (laughs) It's like, it lets you just chill out a little bit. You know, you're just, it takes away the black and whiteness of everything. And, and it leaves room for things to be gray, you know? Yeah. There's so many other cooler concepts about what happens when you die than heaven and hell. Yeah. So many other cooler concepts about how the, um, like how the universe works and all these different theories and stuff that you don't even get to think about when you are an evangelical and you don't even get to talk about it because everyone's like, nope, the Bible says, the Bible says, and it's like, okay, well, (laughs) this isn't even fun. There's nothing to imagine. And I don't really want to worship God the rest of my life for eternity. Like that sounds boring as fuck. So it's not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it always sounded terrible to me. Even as like a child, I was like, this doesn't sound fun. Everyone was like, it's going to be amazing. And I was like, okay, I don't know what you think amazing is for eternity, but it's not that. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's interesting. I didn't, I never, I feel like I didn't process that as a kid because I was just like, well, it sounds better than hell. And so I was like, if that's like the other option, then like, I'll do that. That's how I felt about heaven. I was like, I guess it's better than hell, (laughs) but (laughs) you look like they're having fun down there. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully there's something other than worship up there, but we'll see. Yeah. Creepy angels. Creepy angels. Creepy ass angels. The angels of the Bible. I don't know if you saw that video I posted on my page, but it was like biblical angels. Okay, but like they have eyes all over them. And I was like, this is literally what it was a giant hairy eye, like, but like with 50 (laughs) eyes. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Are, I'm wondering if that's like what people are like, are people saying that that's what came to Mary? Like, is that, (laughs) you know, what? I, I don't know if I could handle What was the angel's name Gabriel. who came to Mary? Gabriel. But I yeah. feel like angels, aren't they like shapeshifters and they can kind of just like take the form of a, of like something that would be more acceptable to a human eye? Like I where he human would freak out. Well, I just created that. For her you, you I, have that ex- I have an expansive mind so I can think of like, other no, possibilities. <laughs> like, no, it's it happened. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember reading or hearing anything about that. That's a fucking horror movie right there. Like, that's 
like legit like someone was on someone was on drugs that's what that was yeah (laughs) you know what i wonder i do think about sometimes like how many drugs were the disciples on when or just all the different people in the bible that saw crazy shit i'm like what drug were you on i want to do that drug (laughs) i would like I would like to smack a rock and see water come out. <laughs> what was Moses on when he saw water him? turns into wine? When the burning bush started talking to him, what was like? I just imagine this. Bro, bush how like, high eyes. are you? <laughs> how high are you, bro? Was it a bush? It was just ganja burning. <laughs> it could be. I mean, he's getting contact high. <laughs> it could be. I, I would. I wouldn't be surprised. When yeah. you have an open mind, the possibilities are endless and it all just becomes so entertaining and you realize how ridiculous all of it is <laughs> but yeah. also how beautiful it is in the ridiculousness because it's mythology in a way yeah you know yeah yeah i don't know how you can read the book of genesis and not understand that you're reading like a metaphor you know yeah it's so weird to me i did that because i like to stir the pot so mm. on Facebook, I posted this question. I just, cause I have a lot of Christians still who I'm friends with on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, who believes that Gen- like who still reads Genesis and takes it literally? Do you like read it literally or metaphorically? Yeah. And like over half of the people said literally. And like, yeah. they tried to be more progressive and be like, well, I feel like, you know, some of it's metaphorical, but I believe it actually happened. I was like, okay, so literally. Anyway, it was just mind blowing to me that grown ass adults, you know, were like, this is real. And I was like, yeah. okay, but do you read Lord of the Rings? And you're like, this happened yeah. because it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> I mean, you said, you said you can't believe that people read Genesis and take it literally. I can't believe people read like numbers at all. Like there's just parts of the Bible where I'm like, why didn't we just get rid of that? <laughs> I yeah, why did that make it <laughs> I told a story about being at Christian camp and having to read through Leviticus, which is all names. Leviticus and we wild. literally just sat there and read through like five chapters of yeah. names. And that was the whole and I was like, what are you gonna build off of? Like, how are you gonna teach on this? Like, what are you gonna Leviticus Leviticus is all names and then like one chapter where like a woman is chopped into like 30 bits after I don't even need to go into it. It's real dark. We were young children. We did not need to be reading through the book of Leviticus. Wasn't she like distributed too? Distributed to all over the land. Yeah. Seems unnecessary. You know what would make a great YouTube channel is finding all of the fucked up stories of the Bible and then just like really aggressively cooking and telling the story. And then being like, it's from the Bible, guys. It happened. It's real. Do you want to know what project I'm working on? I'm actually working on a project that I didn't, I don't know like when I'm going to go into like really talking about it, but I am kind of like rewriting the Bible. So it's a fun project. It's going to be like the message. (laughs) The message of Ivy. (laughs) It's basically going to be like Bible 2.0 minus the like fucked up and boring shit. Like that's, and I just think that could be a thing that would be useful to somebody. Like, cut out the homophobic shit, cut out, like, all the names, leave just, like, the, the fun cut stories. Cut out all the raping. Yeah, no, none of that. And um, I honestly think, like, 
I love how sacrilegious it is, but I actually like how it could be like affirming to certain people as well. Like it could actually be a good thing. You could also just make like a what Jesus said Bible where it's just the things yeah. that Jesus said. Because you know it's so funny when people like I love evangelicals. They just love the Apostle Paul. And uh the Apostle Paul is Jesus <laughs> to many evangelicals. True. And yeah. um sometimes they take what Paul says over what Jesus says. <laughs> and and sometimes Paul and Jesus don't always line up. And um I could go on yeah. you know theologically for days, but it is hilarious to me how um like that kind of thing happens, you know, and yeah. You know, if we if we could just take you know the word of jesus like the things he actually said that were written down yeah we would see that he was a very very different kind of man than yeah. what modern day christianity portrays him as and what they say he would be for and against it yeah i, I, I like everybody fucks with jesus like everybody's got jesus like a pretty a cool good, dude man you know like pretty cool I just, i'm like i i said in the last video i released like jesus is punk rock and i i appreciate that like i respect that you know, he was a, he was a anti-establishment, like for the poor, like there's nothing to really hate on about him. So, you know, I will tell you this. I am, I love Jesus. Yeah. I am not a Christian. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe he was like the legitimate, like son of God with like the Holy Trinity. Like, I don't know. I don't fucking know, but he was a cool ass dude and I rock with it. And yeah. um, there is a show, if you also love Jesus and would like to watch something that, like, is just, Jesus was so dope. There's this show. It's called The Chosen. And I think yeah. everyone who grew up in Christianity needs to watch it because it just reignites this, just, like, this is why I stayed. Because yeah. I had this sliver of hope that I would get to experience the God and the Jesus that I'm seeing right here. Yeah. And um it's an app. So you have to go to the Play Store or Apple um like Apple apps, like you know, all that. I don't have an Apple like phone, TV so or... I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But um it's called the Chosen and you can Chromecast it to your television. And it is such a beautiful show about Jesus' disciples and the yeah. humanness of the disciples and how they were just the scum of the earth rhyme and he saw potential in them and was like follow me and they were like fuck it i don't have anything better to do and you know and it just <laughs> and it shows how like they're trying to interpret the things he's saying and they're fucking it all up and mm -hmm. it's you know they they're judgmental of each other you know it's it just it, it really shows you like all of all of the shit that we complain about and vent about with you know christian trauma and and all of this just goes back to the fact that it is all about a group of people who are trying to have community. Yeah. And this is what happens when you get a group of people who are human and who are sinful, you know, like if you want to use those words, who are just humaning together and you get them to try to cooperate in a community. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I feel like the problem and the anger that I have towards Christianity comes down to hypocrisy of spouting that oh well we're living these high and mighty lives and there's zero authenticity because yeah. behind closed doors there's a lot of fucked up shit going on and it's like if we just lived authentically as humans 
we might actually be able to make this thing work, you know? So it's just, I don't know. I think everyone should watch it. It's, it's beautiful. Um, and because like, I, I really struggle some days cause I'm like, man, I really love Jesus. You know, I really loved everything about that. And, and I understand like why my dad is still like doing what he's doing. He's still a missionary, you know, he's stateside now, but he's still, you know, in community transformation groups. And like, I'm so proud of the work that my dad does. Cause he's on the ground doing the shit, you know, yeah. he's not just trying to start churches. He's not just passing out tracks. He's not just sharing the gospel. He's like working with kids in um, intervention. Loving groups, people. Yeah. Loving people, washing feet. Right. You know, of, uh, of, of the people who, you know, don't even deserve a seat at, you know, the so-called table. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that's what's hard because, yeah. you know, you can let go of all of the belief and all the goofy mythology, but when it comes down to it, the reason that we're all here is because we loved Jesus. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Like, yeah. I admire Jesus. I don't know if I would say I love him. Well, you admire like the work that he did and like what he stood for. And like, there's almost like this, like, I want to be like that. <laughs> yeah. I want to be around people who want to be like that. Yeah. You try to make it work. I get that. Yeah. 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 I think that's super I think we have to talk about that because I think that there's a lot of um just a lot of anger and we like forget that there's also a lot of beauty in the mythology and in the teachings and yeah even though some of it's kind of like total bs <laughs> yeah and well okay so here's my hmm. I hate what Jesus represents when it comes to the gospel and the sacrifice um i love his ministry when he was alive and i love all the things he said but what i hate about and it's not even his fault like it's what the the church has used him as the um like the focal point of the drug that they're offering people of grace for like the badness that needs fixing and like that that's the issue for me it's like I grew up in, in churches. I would hear people say something to the effect of like the gospel is the part that matters. Like the gospel is the old rugged cross is like the crux of every, literally the crux of everything. Right. And, but to me, the gospel is the problem. Like the gospel and the idea that you are broken and you need fixing and we have the solution is the problem. Right. And like, to me, it's hard to separate that from Jesus as a figure. Um, and I think that's what keeps me from saying that I love him. But I, I th- love his I agree with you. And I think that that's why it's hard. Because you're like, I loved your ministry. Yes. I was with that shit. I would have been walking with you. But I don't like all of this extra symbolism that happens. That doesn't make sense. That yeah. stuff, it gets real weird. <laughs> yeah. It gets real weird, but the beginning part's good. We like that. <laughs> we like that. Yeah. The gospel to me feels like it got turned into like a pyramid scheme. Like yes. uh-huh. the more people yeah. you have, the more you're gonna not like money. Of course, for some people it's money. Looking at you, a lot Joel of people Olstein. Money. Yeah. Yeah, Joel Olstein runs. <laughs> and you, um, <laughs> who else am I looking at? What is that big guy who like Justin Bieber was like? A part uh-huh. of this church. Uh-huh. What's his name? I, I have no idea. Whatever. You know He's who I'm a mega church about. pastor. 
don't know. Mega church pastors are masters of the pyramid scheme, but we won't go into that. Of which, okay, the the other show that every person that grew up in the church should watch is Righteous Gemstones. Have you guys seen it? Yes, I'm on season two right now. Our last guest was like, you have to watch it. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll try it. I. It's hard to get into because it's so ridiculous. But then all of a sudden you start seeing so much shit that like you've seen oh. before. And then they start using language that you know and you're just like. That is my. <laughs> I have to it's watch my it. It's my new favorite show like 100%. I love every minute of it. Yeah. There was it's... a show on Hulu that was about Jesus, but Jesus was in the hood. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> <laughs> He was like in a modern day hood, and um, but he was wearing like robes. <laughs> I cannot remember the name of this show. I have what? to see if I can find it. it. Was super. Bizarre. Is it like the, I think there was an adult swim show called Black Jesus where he was just literally yes, like it was Black yeah. Jesus. It was yeah. so good. Yeah, that's also a good show if you if you want to. We we're talking about Jesus shows, so the chosen yeah. is really excellent. Like anything but Jesus of Nazareth. Just don't watch Jesus of Nazareth. He's blonde and blue eyed. It doesn't make sense. However, <laughs> the chosen is really good because they're all like. They all got like Arab people to play like the characters. So they're all from mm-hmm. the area. Yeah. Um, that region of the world. And then um Black Jesus, which is a fun time on Adult Swim. <laughs> and then Righteous Gemstones on HBO Max. <laughs> You've yeah. heard it here. Go watch these shows. <laughs> Go watch it. Here, folks. Yeah. Cool. But in reference to what we like about Jesus, I do feel like the gospel has morphed into the pyramid scheme. And I think that's why we're all just like, boo, you know, like it's, it, it sucks. Like it's shitty. It's not authentic. Yeah. There's, I don't want anything to do with it. And that's not because there aren't good points. And it's not because that some people aren't really acting it out and like being good human beings and trying to serve people. Um, but because yeah. most people are trying to like monopolize on it to some extent. They're trying to see how many people they can win to the Lord. And like, that's like a gold star on their badge. And like, it's, it's just kind of gotten ridiculous. And especially with like Christian nationalism and everything else, it's like, oh, like we need to make this as a, the whole country needs to know about it now. And that will, you know, that'll make us righteous and good and all this stuff. And I'm like, slow the fuck down and stop like cramming it down people's throats like you are the only religion who's doing this so like maybe stop you know that's what i hate the whole like let's just turn america into the pyramid scheme and let's you know i that's what puts such a bad taste in my mouth and the mega church pastors are at least 50 percent responsible for it especially as they try to go into you know positions of political power and things like that where it's it's almost like let's indoctrinate the earth now and that's kind of scary to me because they're already taking the gospel and turning it into whatever they want i mean the bible is problematic in itself but they're taking key parts of it and people are believing them because they're threatened with fire and brimstone you know so and they're taking people who are broken and vulnerable as you do and giving them a way out and I also think that's kind of fucked up part about Christianity. They love to find broken people who are at rock bottom and yeah. offer them a slice of salvation. You know, I mean, that's a drug. Yeah. Do you want to feel better? Yeah. Do you want all your bad stuff to go away? Do you want to yeah. be saved? It's like, okay. It does feel like a drug, you know, in the beginning. It is. Yeah. 100%. It feels like a drug. You get that weird, crazy high. 
you know, you're like super hyper emotional. You're around a bunch of other people who are affirming you. Feel redeemed. You feel redeemed. Um, you have to tell everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It is a drug. And then um, that drug turns ugly very, very fast um, because you start to see all the bullshit. And that gets really stressful and old. (laughs) And then we are questioning things and then we get in trouble for questioning things. And I was going to say, I was going to say monetizing the fear of sin and hell, like started with selling indulgences in the Catholic church, like way back in the day um, where they would go, (laughs) you know, they, but I mean, they basically like invented hell to make money. And then, and then like, it's not, it's not even just megachurch pastors. It's every single pastor because Mm -hmm. they're, um, it's it's inherently a conflict of interest to have like your income dependent on like how much you motivate people to keep coming by your messages whether they be really like heartwarming or really scary like yeah. if you have to like say things that keep people engaged in order to make money and so like that will without fail like motivate you to sensationalize and make these emotional messages that um Fuck people up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the sickest part of all is to be teaching the children these messages too. Because then you get fucked up adults like us who yeah. were taught hell from like five years old on and like our brains developed and it's still like haunting us. You know, and, and to, like for a while until you're done deconstructing, you know, or maybe forever. Forever. So <laughs> it's, yeah, forever. We're gonna be on our deathbeds and be like, uh. <laughs> you know, I don't really like. I'm not like, I'm so scared, sure I'm not about scared of hell. I don't have hell PTSD. I'm so happy for you. I do yeah, not we share are so happy for. I do not share this. Tra- you know, I think it's because, like, in my background, so we were house church people, and my dad like led it, and he was less a fire and brimstones kind of guy and he was more like jesus's ministry kind of guy so like that's why like i'm so passionate about that shit and i get all emotional about it because like i was raised on the good parts for the Mm -hmm. most part and then it was like our organization that we were with like the bigger groups that we went with and then um later on when i was like in high school and going to different camps and getting indoctrinated from all these different places that's when the fucked up shit happened but for for the most part like i knew the jesus that was a person yeah like that's how he was shown to me by my by my dad and yeah. and so it's like i don't i i wasn't really like scared of hell maybe a little bit as a kid but like once i like was a teenager and i was like oh i'm living this christian lifestyle it it wasn't because i was afraid of going to hell yeah like I was just like really stoked to you know be there you know like I I wasn't really thinking about hell and and it wasn't until I started deconstructing that I was like okay where am I going to go when I die like I think my brain needs to have an answer for this it needs to make a like come to a point of agreement with itself of what happens when we die so that I don't you know keep having identity crises (laughs) yeah all all I know all I know is like less than six months ago, I did enough shrooms to think I was definitely dying. And I was definitely praying 
my soul. And I was like, also definitely really ashamed afterwards. And I'm like eight years deep into deconstruction and I was still just begging for God to save me. <laughs> so, you know, every time I get the flu and I'm, or like anytime I'm like puking, I am like, oh my God, like, I'm so sorry for whatever I said. Like I get real personal. I start confessing and I, oh Lord Jesus, <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> Make me feel better. I'll never drink again. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's funny that our brains still default to needing to ask someone for yeah. something. Especially I mean, when we're just, suffering, we're at rock yeah. bottom. That's when it comes mm-hmm. out. Exactly. And, and maybe we're just desperate and we're like, we'll try anything. But it's also like, I kind of hate it. <laughs> it is true. My moments I, of franticness, I'm mm-hmm. like praying and I'm like, I don't, I, don't even, I believe in myself. I don't know. I don't believe in God. Like, <laughs> is it because we just have done it for so long? Like that was always our default when we were Christians that it's just sort of like, even though we're even just eight years deconstructing, it's so ingrained in us to like, this is what you do when bad things happen. Right. You yeah. give it to the Lord. Give it give up. It to Surrend- the Lord. Surrender it to God. He's going to take Surrender. care of it. Yeah. 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 It's like that um, moment when you're, when you're like, I don't know what to do. You're just like, like, I find myself in those moments, like praying. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know the last time I prayed, but whenever I'm really like going through it, that's when those prayers start coming out. Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever do like, were your parents or church really big into like spiritual warfare? Big time. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I went to my churches that I grew up around were like exorcisms and speaking in tongues. And I, I mean, I had, I went to a church for like a couple of weeks where I got prayed over like in an exorcism, like to get the demons out of me. Um, and like everyone around me was like convulsing and like speaking like in, and I'm like, I don't know if that was all like a scam or what exactly it was, but did demons I went, come out? Because I think that's yes. how you would know. Well, you don't see them, but like the people just like stop like convulsing and then they breathe and you're like, oh, the demon's gone. Like I, I saw that a lot growing up. Yeah. I think you didn't that see, the like, people a little there... red demon running out. <laughs> Sorry. I bet that the people there believed what was happening and therefore acted on it. You know, I feel like that's a thing, but I don't, it probably was whoever was leading it was probably like, this is not real. It's a scam, but yeah, well, that's but- what I wonder about cult leaders is how much do they believe their own gospel, you know, because you think about it, like pastors and people who are leading these kinds of exorcisms and things, do they tr- like, you, they have to be somewhat believing it themselves if they're going to put on a good enough show, you know, you have to believe your yeah. message to an extent. But then also you kind of know that it's kind of bullshit. But I think, you know, I don't know for sure, but I think the majority of cult leaders really believe that they are like touched by God and that they have like a, you know, I think they really believe in what they're doing. They're probably Um, all narcissists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sociopaths, whatever it is. Yeah, but for sure, I think that they are convinced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I watch a lot of documentaries on cults and it is interesting, like, you know, if you watch like an interview with a serial killer and an interview with a cult leader, you'll, you, you can kind of see parallels with the, like the sociopathic tendencies, but then also, um, serial killers are like super aware of what they're doing at all times. And I feel like cult leaders are too, but they like 
believe in what they're doing but like it's almost serial killers also believe in what they're doing they always have like some sort of weird thing that they're fulfilling within themselves so if you like kind of look at it like sociopathic tendencies run very similarly between the two yeah and Uh and it's like both of them are convinced that what they're doing is a good thing yeah, I think the, the serial killer thinks that what they're doing is a good thing for them. I think the cult leader thinks that they're doing a good thing for other people as well. Like, they're just like, I am bringing healing to this group. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. So why were you getting an exorcism? Like, why were you in that position? I was in that position because from age, like, six to eight, I had waking nightmares almost every night. Like I would open my eyes and see like demonic things around my room. Mm -hmm. Um, And like that come to find out is called hypnagogic hallucinations. But, you know, my parents were convinced that it was demons inside me. And so they took me to get fixed. And the weird thing is um, it worked. So (laughs) can we, can we use, okay. First of all, can you speak on the diagnosis for a second? And I just, cause I'm sciencey. So I want to know that. And then can you speak a little bit on why you think it worked? Yeah. Um, I, look, I'm not an expert. I just know that when, what I, what I remember of it is like, you're in a, you're in a dream, you're dreaming, and then you wake up too early and your, your dream state's still going, your eyes are open and you're projecting things on the wall. And sometimes it was like a bunny rabbit or a gorilla and it wasn't scary, but sometimes it was like um, a carbon copy of my mom standing like, stock still at the edge of my bed and then i screamed and then my real mom came around the corner so it was pretty scary stuff Sounds also a little bit like sleep paralysis it, yeah and i did experience sleep paralysis as well but i got i went to that church and they prayed over me and then um for the most part it stopped like that's maybe that's the, maybe they convinced your like that part of your brain that yeah we're healed in there for your brain i don't know brains are weird probably you know yeah that's how do you explain hypnotism and hypnotism therapy like I believe in that like I believe that there's value in that and people do get good results from hypnotism well we don't understand like the where the like the brain's processing of dreams like we don't understand dreams yet we don't understand what our brain does when we're sleeping so I think all of that's very possible but I mean I think I'm pretty sure that it was psychosomatic, whatever it was, but it also like the, I can't deny the fact that it worked. And like, that is an interesting, and like, I have seen and experienced things that seem supernatural or preternatural that I can't explain. And so it's not easy for me to just be like a full on atheist or like a non spiritual believing person, because there are experiences that I can't explain that I've have, like, that I remember. Are, would you say that you are a very highly sensitive person, like intuitive, sensitive? I, I struggle with that question and I've got, you know, I guess I'm figuring that out still. What I, what I feel about that or what I believe about that maybe. Yeah. yeah. Cause when you can start tapping into that and like almost controlling it a little bit, having yeah. control over it, um, I, I think that there's something to note, and, and this doesn't even, we don't have to go deep into this, um, and it doesn't even go into the realm of spirituality, but, um, you know, the universe that we reside in is not three-dimensional as we perceive it with our eyes. We all know this, you know, right. physicists have been talking about this for ages. Um, so there are other dimensions that we cannot physically see that are in 
our time space reality. And so sometimes I wonder if our brains, if we are able to access different levels of those dimensions, Mm -hmm. um, especially when we're kids, because our brains are so malleable and we're so creative that we're able to see a little bit more than what an adult would be able to see. Because as an adult, you kind of start to see the world through built social constructs that you've learned and social conditioning and all of these other things so that you become a little bit more straight and narrow and black and white with your thinking. Um, But I do wonder sometimes with kids, it, it, you know, the veil is much thinner between other dimensions. That's why kids a lot of times see ghosts or hear voices and, um, or have like night terrors and, and crazy things like that. Like I just, it's so interesting to think about. It is. I agree. Yeah. And I don't think you have to believe in anything really by just accepting that there are realities in our reality. We cannot see physicists have proven this and who's not to say that there are beings in that reality who also might be able to jump over this way. Like (laughs) they can see us, we can see them. You know what I mean? I'm open to it. Yeah. Super interesting. interesting. Yeah. I'm open to it as well. I just find it interesting how, um, evangelicals like think that there's only like two types of beings you know like how they're like no there's just angels and demons but we do believe in other beings but there's no ghosts and there's no you know know, there's nothing else it's just like they believe in it to an extent but when it comes to anything else magical or whatever because like that's why I wasn't allowed to watch Harry Potter because (laughs) spells and witches and all this stuff except I was allowed to watch Lord of the Rings because I had a Christian author um yeah anyway so christian he was like catholic (laughs) i know i know but like he believed in god whatever so i just i find that interesting that they aren't so close-minded that they do believe in you know non-earthly beings to an extent that makes a little bit of sense but then they're not open to all of it and they're not open for you know any sort of other interpretation of what they might be seeing you know, it's always just like, it was the Holy Spirit. It was an angel. It was a demon. That's yeah. it. Well, I like the and- idea that your brain is always just trying to make sense of things. <laughs> so you just come up with random ass explanations. Yeah. And there, I mean, there is a story also in the Bible of like a witch contacting a spirit from beyond. And then one of the kings, I forget if it's like Saul or whatever, like conversing with a ghost essentially. So it's not even like fully against the bible to like explore ideas like that but yeah it's just rejected by the church because yeah i think it leaves too much room because if they like slide on that they have to slide on other things and then if the church finds out oh no (laughs) oh no oh no no. they'll lose control we'll lose control and we won't have our money (laughs) Ah. No. <laughs> church people would probably be so fun if they weren't so rigid we used yeah. to have a lady in our church her name was virginia she'd always stand in the back during like worship or preaching sessions and she would just randomly double over and scream yes like, yes <laughs> like just out of nowhere and i was so used to it growing up because like i had just grown up in that church but when we would bring like people new people they'd be like you know, they would just like turn around and be like, what the fuck? And I'd be like, oh, it's just Virginia. She does that sometimes. It's fine. You know, like, but Classic. it's just like, 
classic Virginia. But it's funny because that was so normal to me. But I'm like, what, what, like not possessed her, but what, what made her want to do that? It was like, she was at a football game and she was like one of those crazy fans that was just like, yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was funny. She always seemed like she was like in the spirit as they say, but the joy of the Lord, probably something like the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. Especially because she was old. So you were like, is she okay? (laughs) (laughs) She good? Yeah, our church was very charismatic. So, and I grew up from, like, I grew up in it from like two years old on. How long were you in that church, Rachel? Like, how old were you when you left? Off and on until, I don't know, probably until I left. How old, how old were you? Oh, okay so you were in your 20s Dang. Mm-hmm. So you're still around yeah. like that same community mm-hmm. wow what about yeah, you Heidi? S- how long have you like were you did you find a church home that you stayed in for a while um at, at what point like did you have like did you find like a church that you were with for like a very very long time like a specific right church yeah well i i was i was at at metro from 11 to 19 and that was the longest like Okay. yeah 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 i never had that we were moving really? too much yeah my dad was a church planter so we'd start a little house church and then we move then we start another little house church and then we move <laughs> we just did that so i had like six or seven like house church groups that i was a part of mm-hmm. growing up yeah and then and then we ended up getting going to like a brick and mortar um non-denominational american baptist church basically hmm. which is a lot i i find the american baptists are a little bit less insane to the southern baptists which we were southern baptists before that so it was like okay well this is a little bit less crazy um yeah there wasn't it wasn't super crazy it was just a really chill church you know mm-hmm. i'm like okay you know did fucked up things happen there yeah but because <laughs> it's people it's a group of people trying to human around each other so there's going to be fucked up things that happen um i don't know Did i feel you- like if we just an ungod the church will have like less problems with it just like oh yeah it's the church fucked up things happen (laughs) (laughs) ungod it (laughs) um did you i know you probably grew up in purity culture um with you and your wife when were you allowed to date and did you guys wait (laughs) yes we did uh so um, i had i had my first girlfriend when I was like 15, 16. Um, and we were both Christian. We didn't do much of anything sexual. Um, but with my wife, uh, yeah, we, we waited for our wedding night for sexual intercourse. Um, that, (laughs) uh, not bad actually, like honestly, (laughs) not bad for the first, for like the first time. Really? Okay. So yeah, our wedding night was pretty smooth and enjoyable, weirdly. And then, like, um, then the, like, weirdness and, like, sexual anxiety set in, like, immediately after and just, like, not understanding, like, what to do. And, like, yeah. So, I mean, it basically our wedding night was, like, thankfully really nice. But then, like, we've definitely had to work through a lot, like, in the still. But, like, especially the next couple of years of, like, figuring out, like, how to be sexual beings. And we're still figuring it out. But, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
I, that's, yeah, that's kind of similar to my experience. I feel like the first time I uh, had sex was with someone I really trusted and there had already been like a lot of intimacy built up. So it was, yeah. it went really smoothly. And then it was in the weeks and months and years yeah. following that all the shame and the guilt and the, um, the trauma and the dysfunction and the, how do we make this work? And how yeah. are we, you know, how do we um, explore in these areas and, you know, learning yeah. new things. Like, I mean, there was still, and I know I'm not alone in this, like, gosh, every, every kid I know who grew up like in the church got no sex ed unless they went to public yeah. school. Yeah. And even then it was probably not great. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm basically, you can. I'm basically just now getting therapy for it, which is like, I should have done that long, long time ago, but that it doesn't, I mean, it gets, it gets better, but it, there's a lot to work through and, and I'm, I'm excited to like make more progress in losing that shame. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a, it's a process. Is there anything specific about that you would like to go into more detail about? Um, just as far as like, maybe, maybe a realization you've had recently about how purity culture shaped, you know, part of you being a sexual being and, and, and something you've unlearned. Ooh, able to heal man. from something you're past let's not talk about something that you're currently working on unless you want yeah. to but something that you're like ready to like yeah i worked through that we're good you know yeah that's good um worked through i feel like um it's been well you know i grew up and i don't, I don't mind talking about it at all but it like pornography was a major source of like shame for me as a young person and like um shame around it brought into my marriage because it was wrong and like we've gotten to a point where um sex is just sex and like it, it's no longer like the same source of shame that it was um but that was something that like wasn't even talked about in my church at least it was just something to like struggle with on your own um and so like finding out I and honestly I, I guess I still haven't worked through all the feelings of shame caused by um just different narratives about like sexuality healthy sexuality and like my own sexuality gender identity um I know that I've definitely like made progress in like learning to love myself more and um learning to accept myself but honestly like I feel like I've barely scratched the surface in terms of like healing. And that's definitely a major part of the journey still ahead of me is like learning who I am, who I want to be, how I want to present myself to the world. Um, the kind of experiences that I want to have. Um, the list goes on and on. Like, honestly, I feel like such a, like such a, a beginner when it comes to like learning how to love myself for who I am. Um, and like, we can, yeah, we can talk about it more, but like, that's kind of like, honestly, like there's just so much room to grow there still. Yeah. Love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful place to wrap up. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah. 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 Do you have more questions or? No, not really. Um, do you have anything else you want to add about ex or anything yeah. like that? I don't, I don't want to 
leave anything out if there was something that you were hoping to share about it um also well people find the project yeah like to follow totally and yeah please come yeah please check it out it so on instagram it's just at exvangelis e-x-v-a-n-g-e-l-i-s like exvangelical um and then i'm on tiktok as well same name and then if you search for it on youtube you can find the full-length videos um I do, yeah, I do like 20 to 30 minute episodes and then I do like little smaller snapshots of them on Instagram and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's ongoing and I've got a lot of, a lot of cool ideas. So, I mean, um, as far as like sharing about it, um, I'm just really, really excited to, to shoot more. And I'd love to interview both of you if you're interested, like if, if that could be a thing, that would be awesome. I don't know how you feel about it. Do you it, know, do you normally do like in-person interviews or have you done? It's all, it's all in person. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd have to drive up. Always <laughs> in Kentucky. Or, okay. Yeah, I'm far away, but no, I mean, I, I was already planning on driving up pretty soon. <laughs> well, she yeah, might, she me, might be here in April. So maybe yeah, we'll might, just, we, we might be doing we'll do a twofer. No, that's actually might as well. I'd like to do well. I, I mean, we could both come out and we could just shoot them back to back or something. And I think it'd be pretty cool if if you guys are down. That'd so be fun. yeah, yeah, we can yeah. absolutely talk about that. Um, how do people get into contact with you if they want to be featured? You're in Kansas City, correct? Sure. Yes. Um, this is where you're shooting the videos. So if um anyone who wants to share their story wants to get on your show and and um work with you on that collaborate because it can be so healing and transformational and you can heal so many other people just by sharing your story um how do they do that i would say either email me at exvangelis at gmail.com or follow on instagram and and just send me a dm and and we'll talk about it we'll figure it out yeah thank you so much thank you so much appreciate it appreciate this time um have a good night and can you uh send me a photo that you would like me to use as our cover for this or i can just use your logo no I'll, yeah i'll send you i'll send you something for sure You're like i want my face on it thank you <laughs> also are you okay if we share um clips from the podcast on our instagram or do you want to remain anonymous no no go for it use whatever you want awesome thank you so much thank you all right we'll talk soon have a good night Absolutely. Thank you so much. Good night. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cheers to Leaving. Please find me on Instagram and Twitter at Cheers to Leaving. If you would like to send me a DM and give me any sort of ideas for upcoming episodes, I would love to hear from you. If you are interested in coming on the podcast to share your story, I would also love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It truly means so much to me. And I'll see you next time.